0: Well, again, we welcome you to Big Valley Grace Community Church. We're so glad that you decided to come to church with us this week and that we would together... Worship the Lord Jesus Christ, bring an offering of praise to him. If you are with us for the first time because you're, you're here for Thanksgiving, visiting someone, you're, you're with a family member or a friend, we're just really glad that you're here. We hope that you enjoy our time together today. For those who are in the venue, we welcome you. We're excited to be with you today. My wife and I usually attend church in the venue, and so it's fun to be with you on this side of the video camera today. And for those who are the hundreds who are watching online and listening on the radio, we're glad that you're with us. And and a special invitation to you, come, come join us. Come be with us in person. We'd love to have you as our guest here. This last Wednesday night, we had a really wonderful time together with our Thanksgiving Praise Family Service. And it was so neat to hear All the ways that God has been working in people's lives this past year. And Thanksgiving is an incredible opportunity. It's it's a moment that we can intentionally slow down to push pause and to reflect long enough on what God has done. To reflect on it long enough to be stirred to a place to offer him worship and praise. And so Thanksgiving has been a it's been a wonderful season, and and now that we're by, you know, on the other side of it, I, I think I can say this now: Merry Christmas, everyone! Yeah, and Christmas is such an interesting season. It's an interesting time of year, and. There are so many traditions and so many activities and so much food and music that floods our communities and it floods our schedules. And my wife Sarah and I, this past week, we were just considering all of these traditions. And it's about this time of year that a particular tradition begins to flood our home. And we actually have not been participants in this tradition We've never participated in doing it ourselves, but we have been the recipients of this tradition. And the tradition that I'm referring to is the tradition when people write an end of the year letter. Who here has ever written an end of the year letter? There's, all right, there's four of you. Awesome. Who here has ever received an end-of-the-year letter? All right, so you four are sending them to the rest of us. Awesome. That's really cool. And, you know, the the end-of-the-year letter, it might be a Christmas letter, or it might be a Christmas card, or a New Year's card, or it could, in its most simplest form, often it's just a photograph of a family. Hey, here's what we look like now, just so you don't forget who we are, right? And the the form of these has changed pretty drastically over the years, and some of them have become rather high-tech and fancy, you know, and tech-savvy. In fact, there's one family that, that we love dear, and the last few years, they've just sent us a link to their website. Just click here and see who we are, right? And you can read our end of the year letter and you can see our pictures and you can see our videos and everything that's interesting that happened this past year, it's all right here in one location. And now there is, however, one type of end of the year letter that it always catches our attention. It always really grips our attention. And it no matter how fancy No matter how high-tech, you know, the greetings get, there's one that still is very simple, but it's super, super effective. And it's a version that's always a great option. And I'm talking about the great lost art of the handwritten letter. Think about the last time you received a handwritten letter from someone. And when my wife, Sarah, and I, when we receive a handwritten letter from someone, it just seems more important than the other male. I mean, someone took the time to actually think about just us in that moment and take, you know, a pen and paper, that, I think they still make that stuff, and you know, write out their thoughts just for us. And when you read a handwritten letter and someone begins to share something personal, it just seems more real. It seems more believable. The person took the time with their own hand to write it just for us. It's like their life is jumping up off of the page to us. And um, you can tell if somebody rushed when they did a handwritten letter, right? Their handwriting's all gnarly, right? You can tell if somebody took their time with a handwritten letter, you know, the, the loops are all, you know. You girls got that down, you know, the loops in the letters, they're all nailed, you know. You, you see the spelling and the grammar and the punctuation, it's just all out there raw, right? And, and if you got one from me, there'd be like white out all over the place, you know, mistakes. I mean, I do like to paint, so. Um, but as my wife and I began to discuss, if we were to handwrite a letter to you, what would we handwrite in a letter that we would send to you that you would be the recipients, that what are the things that we would think to share about our family, about our lives to you, and as we began to consider a number of things about our family, um, you know, to try and kind of narrow things down, we, we, we were thinking about my wife, and, and just maybe in our handwritten letter to you, we'd share about the work that she's doing in a nonprofit organization, and, and that this year, they're, they're almost there, they've been this long-time goal, they've almost reached it to give away a million dollars to help kids get adopted into forever families. We thought about possibly in our handwritten letter, uh, you know, sharing with you about our oldest son, our, our first child. He's 14 now. I don't know how I have a 14-year-old now. It, just, it happened, and he's taller than his mom, so that's totally awesome. And he is super accident-prone. He has bo- broken so many bones in his body that he has a high affection for the ER and the doctors, and he feels a calling to become an orthopedic surgeon. And so we're just thankful that this year we've been cast free, but you know what? We got December left, so we can... um, We thought about maybe in our handwritten letter to you telling you about our second child. He's 11 and has size 12 shoes. He's projected to be enormous, far greater of a man than I am. And he memorizes athletic statistics with ease, And we are unashamedly praying for scholarships right now. We thought about maybe telling you in our handwritten letter, we would write to you about our third child. He has a smile that goes from one ear to the next He laughs and thinks everything is funny. He is so loud. He is a super coordinated lefty, and he wears fluorescent colors always, and when he goes by, you can't miss him. He just glows, and and we thought about maybe handwriting to you about our fourth child. It's a girl, and she just turned eight, and she constantly does acrobatics up and over the furniture, hands Stands up against the wall, bounds off the stairs. She has zero ability to sit still for any length of time. And because of that, she's just like one solid muscle. And we thought about in handwriting a letter to you to share with you about our fifth child. I know, you'd think it'd end by now, right? (laughs) And About how she is so cuddly, how she's snuggly, and she's just like a big bag of giggles. And how she loves to paint and draw and just roll around in the dirt. And we thought that we'd share with you that we have the privilege in February to finalize her adoption. We thought in our handwritten letter to you that we would want to share with you about our sixth child. I know, we have got to figure something out here, I'm telling you. And he... He God's absolutely generous surprise <laughs> to our family, and we are so thankful he has a personality that fills the room, and he doesn't go anywhere without this flat bill hat, and he just, I love that little kid. And as my wife and I were thinking about what we'd share with you, we'd also want to share with you about our faith, that we love Jesus, and that we love God. And and we, we began to think about how would we share with you about our love for the Lord. And how would we share with you about our faith in Christ in a handwritten letter. And we began to be reminded of the great handwritten letters that we have in our favorite book. And how the Apostle Paul, how he hand wrote letters to the people that he loved and he cared about. Because he had something really important that he wanted them to read. And this morning, we're gonna look at the letter to the Romans. And in Romans chapter one, Paul gives a greeting. And in Romans chapter one, in verse seven, we're gonna pick it up, this greeting that Paul gives to those who are in Rome. And in Romans one, seven, it says this, to all in Rome who are loved by God and called to be saints, grace and peace To you, from God our Father, and from the Lord Jesus Christ. The Apostle Paul is writing to this letter to those who are in Rome, and these people have two significant distinctions. And they're really, really cool distinctions. First is that they're loved by God, that's a great distinction. And guess what? God loves you very much. And the second distinction is that they're called by God into salvation. And I got great news right from the beginning here. God's calling each of us into salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. And so these two incredible distinctions, he acknowledges that these are a special group of people And then he gives them a greeting, he says grace and peace, and grace would have been a real common greeting, that would have been very familiar for those who were Greek and Roman reading his letter, and then he says in peace, and that would have been a very familiar and common greeting for those who are Hebrew, so he kind of gets his whole audience in these two words, grace and peace to you. And it's beautiful how grace and peace work together, because grace is God's gift into our lives, and peace is what we experience as God graciously works in our lives. And so he blesses them because of what God is doing. And then he says in verse 8, First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you because your faith is being reported all over the world. And after blessing the Romans because of the activity of God, he now blesses God because of the activity of the Romans, specifically because their faith in God, it says they have great faith, that their faith in God is becoming famous. It's becoming well-known that everyone in the ancient Mediterranean world knows about the great faith of this group of people. They have a reputation, and it's a good reputation. It's a holy reputation that they have great faith in Jesus Christ, in God. And so he goes on in verse nine, God, whom I serve with my whole heart in preaching the gospel of his son, is my witness how I constantly remember you in my prayers at all times. And I pray now that at last, by God's will, the way may be opened for me to come to you. In verses nine and 10, Paul gives us a glimpse of the contents of his heart. The first thing we see is that in his heart, he's fully committed to talking to Jesus. He has a relationship with Jesus. And beyond that, he is fully committed to talking to others about Jesus. And even beyond that, he's fully committed to praying about those he wants to talk to about Jesus And even beyond that, he's fully committed to then visiting those he's been praying about talking to about Jesus to go talk to them about Jesus. He wants to visit them in person. Do you see a theme here? He's fully committed in his heart to Jesus and to talking about Jesus and to sharing Jesus. In verse 11, it says, out of this fullness of his heart, this emotion of of love for Christ, he says, I long to see you. So that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to make you strong. That is, that you and I may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith. And Paul might be referring to a desire to preach the gospel in its fullness to them. He might be referring to the fact that God had given him spiritual gifts, and he wanted to use those gifts for the Romans. He might just be talking about the fact that, you know what? When the family of God gathers together, you get encouraged. It's built up, and it's blessed. Any of those are great options, but the point is is that Paul's writing to them, and he's expressing to them that he has a desire to be a giver of good gifts to them. He wants to be a blessing to them. In verse 13, he says, I do not want you to be unaware, brothers, that I planned many times to come to you, but I have been prevented from doing so until now, in order that I might have a harvest among you just as I have had among the other Gentiles." Paul has actual spiritual goals for his trip to Rome. My family and I just went on a trip. I'm sure you've been on a trip or you're going on a trip at some point. And to think about that, that you would have spiritual goals for your trip. That that your trip would produce something for Jesus Christ. And what Paul is saying is that God has been using him to increase the number of people who are placing their faith in Jesus Christ, and he wants God to continue using him in this way. He wants God to continue to use him to help more and more people place their faith in Jesus Christ, that God would continue to use them in his way, and he's excited to be used by God in this way. And he goes on. In verse 14, he says something pretty interesting. He says, I'm obligated both to Greeks and non-Greeks, both to the wise and foolish. And this is why I'm so eager to preach the gospel also to you who are in Rome. And Paul understands that the gospel or the good news of Jesus is that people, and check this out, this is so fantastic, that people, regardless of race, regardless of age, regardless of gender, regardless of past, present, or future sin, can have salvation by faith in Jesus Christ. And it's fantastic news. And he feels obligated to those who are wise by the world's standards and to those who are foolish in the world's eyes. He feels obligated to come to them and to preach the good news of Jesus Christ to them, to explain the grace of God to them. And then in verse 16 and 17, he says something amazing. He says, I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes first for the Jew, then for the Gentile, for the, in the gospel, a righteousness from God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith from first to To last just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. And these two verses here, they're like the thesis for the entire rest of the letter. And I just want to challenge you right here from the beginning to read the letter to the Romans. Paul wrote it with his own hand, he had something really important he wanted to say. And it'll take you about an hour. I've really enjoyed reading the letter to the Romans over the past month. I've read it a number of times. I've, in fact, I've even listened to it you know, on, on the app, Bible app on my phone. You know, just listening to the, the, it'll take you about an hour. So if you read for 10 minutes a day, you'll be done in a week. If you, while you're driving, don't, don't read while you're driving. But if, if while you're driving, you listen to it. You, you know, and just while you're going across town and back, you'd be done in two days. And how awesome then to hear the fullness of the contents that Paul wanted to express as he was writing to these people. You'll be so blessed by reading the letter to the Romans. And today we're going to focus in just on verse 16. We're just going to look at one verse together. And, in fact, as we're considering this idea of handwriting a spiritual letter to someone, verse 16, Paul figured out how to get really all the essential elements into one verse. He just jam-packed this big pregnant sentence full of goodness. And this, that's what we're going to look at today is how do we write an effective spiritual letter. An effective spiritual letter has five elements. And this is where your notes begin as you're following along in your notes. An effective spiritual element has five, an effective spiritual letter has five elements. Elements. And right now, we want to make sure that this is super practical and and super personal for you. And so right now, I just want you to think of one person. Who is one person who needs to be encouraged in the Lord from you? Who who is that one person in your life? And I just want you to write their name right there on your notes, just in big letters, somewhere on your page. Just who is the person? who needs to be encouraged by you. And this is a uh, participation moment. So everybody grab a pen and write down the name. We'll all do it together. Write down the name of the person that God's placing on your heart right now who needs to be encouraged in the Lord. And we're gonna keep that person in mind as we walk through this today. The first element, as we consider handwriting a spiritual letter to somebody, that person you just wrote their name down, the first element is an attitude of boldness for Christ. An attitude of boldness for Christ. Paul says in verse 16, again, we're just going to hone in right here on verse 16. He says, I am not ashamed. I am not ashamed. You know, it's rather interesting to see what people are not ashamed of. It's pretty easy to find out. In fact, I'm gonna teach you right now how to do a little self-check you know, on other people, do a little scoping out what they're not ashamed of. See, what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna pull out my phone. I'm gonna open up my social media, all right? There we go, I got my Facebook, all right? I got my Facebook going, all right, here, here. All right, I'm gonna just, from my Facebook right here, I'm gonna tell you about some people and what they're unashamed of. This is gonna be fun. All right, first, all right, this, this person right here, they're unashamed of their cat. All right, that's, that's exciting. I don't think cats are supposed to wear clothes, but um, they're unashamed of their cat. And this next guy, he is unashamed of his abdomen, okay? <laughs> And he's obviously spent quite a bit of time at the gym, and frankly, if I had abs like that, I'd be unashamed too. Um, And uh, this next person, this this gal, she is unashamed of her healthy dinner. I just am wondering what candy bar she ate before she posted the picture. Um, And this next person kind of has a few different pictures, so we'll look at them together. All right, uh, the first is, this person is not ashamed of their kids playing sports, okay? And uh, the next one is, this this person's not ashamed of their kid's new haircut. And um, the next one, they're not ashamed of their kid's new sneakers and um, the next one they're not ashamed okay this is weird they're not ashamed of their kids sleeping okay just a little helpful tip you shouldn't take pictures of people while they're sleeping and post them on the internet all right that's that's not what you should do but you can also find out what people are not ashamed of by looking at text messages that's fun and maybe emails in fact let's do this together we'll have a good old time pull out your phone open it up hand it to the person on the right and let's just appreciate what we're all not ashamed of together No, don't do that. That'd be ridiculous, all right? But wouldn't it be effective just to see what is the contents that we're not ashamed of? And Paul, Paul's making a bold statement. He's drawing a line in the sand, and he's standing on the side of Jesus Christ. And he is saying, I'm going to have an attitude of boldness for Jesus Christ. He's not hiding. He's not being shy. He's not being timid. He's not being an undercover Christian. He is saying forwardly and openly and boldly, he's determined in his attitude to be unashamed. And isn't that a highly effective way to start a handwritten spiritual? It just catches your attention. It just, it just grips your attention. And, and some of you might be thinking right now, well, I'm not a very bold person. Well, I'm gonna give you some practical tips on how to be bold. These are not in your notes. These are free. And uh, there's uh, three, three steps, okay? And the first step is this, read God's word. That's step number one to, to increasing your boldness for Christ. Read God's word. Step two is pray about God's word. And then step three is obey what you read in God's word. And then you do something crazy you repeat it, just like shampoo in the shower, okay? So you read God's word, you pray about God's word, and then you obey God's word. You read God's word, you pray about God's word, and then you obey God's word. And I guarantee you, if you, re- if you read God's word, you pray about God's word, and you obey God's word, your boldness for Christ will increase. And here's how I know it will. Because as you become more comfortable being obedient to Christ, you will become more comfortable obeying Christ. Because obedience produces boldness in your life and obedience produces boldness in my life. And so as you consider writing a spiritual letter to someone, the person you wrote down at the top of your notes, as you consider handwriting a letter to them, having an attitude of boldness is a great way to start. So let's have some fun. Let's do a self-check together, a little evaluation. There's a question on your notes, right there in your notes. It says, do I have an attitude of boldness for Christ? And just have some fun. Circle yes or circle no. You can write in maybe. You could put a slash, circle them both. I don't know. But, you know, just have some fun. Do I have an attitude of boldness for Christ? And circle yes or circle no. Element number two is a message of hope in Jesus a message of hope in Jesus. Paul continues, he says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Specifically, Paul lets us know what he is unashamed of, and what he is unashamed of is the gospel. And the word gospel means good news, and so the, the term gospel or good news in this context, it's referring to the good news of the message of hope we have in Jesus Christ. So Paul has an attitude of boldness for the message of hope that is in Jesus Christ. And there were many people who were opposing this message. In fact, Jesus himself had people who opposed his message. And as Jesus himself preached the good news of the message of hope in himself, people rejected him. People couldn't understand at, his, at the cross how the coming Messiah would die a criminal's death on a cross. As the apostles went out, and began to preach the message of Jesus Christ, the message of hope in Jesus, there were people that rejected them. Who is this Jesus who performed miracles? And he what? He rose from the dead? It all sounded a little strange to many who heard the message. In fact, it sounds a little strange to many who hear the message still today. But Paul, the Apostle Paul, he was convinced in the truth of Jesus Christ and he had a firm attitude of boldness for that message of hope in Jesus and its hope is an incredibly powerful element you need hope the people in your lives need hope the person that you wrote their name down on your paper they need hope because hope is where we begin to realize that my life doesn't have to stay the same as it is right now That through Jesus, my life could be better. That my whole life could change for something better in Jesus Christ. And as you are bold in your handwritten letter to the person that you wrote down, their name on your notes, as you are bold for Christ to them, you can't stop at just being bold and leave them hanging there like shock value. You've got to now enter in and give them the message of hope because they need hope. People need hope. And the hope is in the message of Jesus Christ. And you have the opportunity to encourage the person you wrote their name down. You have the opportunity to encourage them that their life could be different, that their life could be forever changed because of Jesus Christ. And so let's do a self-check together. Am I carrying the message of hope in Jesus Christ? Just circle yes or, or circle no. And if You haven't written anything down up to this point. Now's a good time to participate. Just, am I carrying the message of hope in Jesus? Yes or no? And have some fun filling that out. Element number three is the source of transformation is God. The source of transformation is God. Paul says, I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God. I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God. And after Paul shares his attitude of boldness for the message of hope in Jesus Christ, he explains the power source behind the life change because it is the power of God. It's the power of God. God is the power source. God is the source of transformation. And this is super critical Because it helped the Romans, and it helped the Greeks, and it helped the Hebrews understand how the transformation came about. You see, the Romans, they had incredible military strength and governing leadership abilities. And they were quite confident in themselves. And this was to help them know that that's not where the transformation comes. It wasn't in them. And the Greeks, they had incredible intellect, unbelievable philosophical history. And yet it was important for them to know, the Greeks, that that wasn't in them where the transformation comes. For the Hebrews, they had unbelievable nationalistic traditions and heritage. But it was important for them to know that it wasn't in their traditions or their nationality of where the transformation came. The source of transformation is God himself. God's the one who supplies the transformation. He's the one we can hope in. God's the energy, he's the power, he's the transformational element behind the gospel. And this is great news for all of us, especially as you consider handwriting a spiritual letter to someone, because the person that you wrote their name down, you are not what they need. (laughs) That's great news. Doesn't that like just take a weight off your shoulders? You are not the answer to their problem. Seriously, you should feel really good about that. They need Jesus. Jesus. They don't need you, which is why you got to point them to the source of the transformations, who's God. And as you write to them, you don't have to feel the pressure that somehow you're the solution to their problem. Because you're not. But Jesus is. And you know Jesus. And you can point them to Jesus. Transformation is needed in all of our lives. And the only power source strong enough for that transformation is God himself. And as people come into contact with God, as the person you wrote the name down, as that person comes into contact with God, they will be transformed. And that is awesome. And so let's do a self-check. Let's have some fun. The question is, am I relying on God as well as pointing others to God who is the source of transformation? Am I relying on God as well as pointing others to God who is the source of transformation? And just circle yes, or Circle no or draw a happy face. I I don't know. Do something. The next element is element number four. The impact on eternity is real. The impact on eternity is real. In verse 16, it says, Paul again says, I am not ashamed of the gospel because it's the power of God for the salvation. I'm not ashamed of... ...of the gospel because it's the power of God for the salvation. And as Paul continues to handwrite this spiritual letter to the people of God who are in Rome... ...he now gives us the driving motivation behind his communication. The reason that Paul has an attitude of boldness for Christ... ...the reason that Paul is carrying a message of hope in Jesus... ...the reason that Paul is pointing people to the source of transformation who is God is because the impact on their eternity is very, very real. That's his motivator. He understands that the impact on their eternity is very, very real. And according to what the Bible teaches, the Romans were sinners in need of salvation. According to what the Bible teaches, the Greeks were sinners in need of salvation. And according to what the Bible teaches, the Hebrews were sinners in need of salvation. In fact, get this, everyone who has read this letter over the past 2,000 years, including you and I, right now, today, we are sinners in need of salvation. And when the stakes are that high, just consider that. When the stakes are that high, guess what? It is totally appropriate to have an attitude of boldness for Christ. It's okay to get a little amped up about Jesus. The stakes are high. And as you have an attitude of boldness, it is because you're carrying with you the message of hope in Jesus Christ and you're pointing people to the source of transformation with God because you recognize that the person that you wrote down on your note sheets, the person that you spelled out their name right now on your note sheets, you understand that the impact on their eternity is real. And that makes it urgent. And it's okay okay to get excited about the things that are urgent as people come into contact with Jesus you're gonna see people's eternities forever changed as I came into contact with Jesus my eternity was ever, forever changed as my wife Sarah as she came into contact with Jesus her eternity was forever changed Let's do a self check. Am I focused on making an impact on eternity? Am I focused on making an impact on eternity? Just circle yes or circle no or scratch the whole thing out. I don't know. Do something. The last one together. Element number five an explanation of how to participate by faith. An explanation of how, how do you do it? How to participate. By faith. And again in verse 16, Paul says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it's the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes. I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes. And Paul, he wraps up this incredible statement and the, the driving statement, really, for the rest of the letter. And he does something so critical, but it is so very, very simple and very, very practical. He simply explains how someone can participate in salvation. It's provided by the power of God, and it's this gospel message of which he is unashamed. And the way that people participate is, it's by faith. The way people participate in what Paul is sharing to them, it is by faith. Faith is the key that unlocks this, the, the participation for the entire verse. And the element of faith unlocks the potential of the the other four previous elements in the lives of a person. And, And if Paul would have had, check this out, they're all connected. If Paul would have had an attitude of boldness for Christ, but he didn't share the message of hope in Jesus, he'd have just left people over here in shock, right? If Paul would have shared the message of hope in Jesus Christ, but he didn't share the source of transformation was God, he'd have left people thinking that they had to do it on their own. If Paul would have shared the source of transformation was God, but he didn't explain that it impacted their eternity, his recipients they wouldn't have realized how urgent the message was. And if finally, if Paul would have shared that the impact on eternity was real, but he didn't simply explain how people could participate by faith, he'd have left people wondering, What am I supposed to do with this information? Like this is overwhelming. What you've just told me is overwhelming. How can I be saved? And as you consider the person, go ahead and look at that name again, that name that you wrote on your paper. As you consider that person, this person that God has laid on your heart, that they need to hear an encouragement from you. As you consider how you will write that person an effective spiritual letter. As you consider how you will use the strength that God provides, that you would have an attitude of boldness for Christ to them. That God would help you carry the message of hope in Jesus to them. And that God will help you point this person to God who is the source of transformation and how you will share that that it's urgent, (laughs) that it's timely, that it's needed now, that the impact on eternity is real to this person. As you consider sharing those things, those first four things, you absolutely must, (laughs) you absolutely must do one more thing. And that is practically explain to people how they can participate in salvation By placing their faith in Jesus Christ. You've got to tell people how they can grab on to the hope of the message of of the gospel. It's by faith. You've got to tell people how they can get plugged into the source of transformation. It's by faith. You have to tell people how they can have their eternity forever impacted. It's by faith. Faith is the element. It's the key that unlocks people. And check this out. Pretty contrast. From unsaved to saved. Faith is what helps people move from death to life. From desperate to hopeful. From unbelieving to believing. Let's do one last self-check together. There's a question in your notes. Am I explaining to others how to participate by faith? And just circle yes or, or circle no. Am I explaining... To others, how to participate by faith. And you know, as we, as we kind of look at these five elements, you know, the, the, these five elements, it's, it's, they really do make, you know, a spiritual letter that you would handwrite to somebody effective. But it's not real complicated. It's, it's not supposed to be complicated. So if we get to a place to where all of a sudden this is really complicated, we screwed the whole thing up because it's not supposed to be complicated. It's not complicated, but it does need to be completed. Are you tracking with me? The, the, writing a letter to someone not supposed to be complicated, but it does need to get done. It does need to be completed. And I'll, I'll say it differently. Um, mailing a letter to someone that has some oopsies in it, some whoopsers, all right, way better than this perfect, beautiful letter that's still sitting on my desk. You tracking with me? So it's okay to send a letter to somebody that, man, he just didn't quite get it all perfect. That's Okay. Because at least you sent it way better than this, you know, beautiful thing, uh, just handcrafted. It's just all perfect, but I'm the only one who's going to see it. We've got to get it done. And I want to kind of take this whole concept and, and break it down into one key idea, that your life is a letter read aloud by everyone you meet. Your life is a letter read aloud by everyone you meet. You've already been writing your letter. People are already reading your letter The question is, what elements have you been including in your letter? And today is an opportunity to include five elements in the letter that is your life so that the people who read the letter that is your life might be invited into faith in Jesus Christ and be forever changed. And so as my wife and I, as my wife Sarah and I, as we re-engage with this thought of handwriting to you a letter, that we would handwrite to you a letter. There's one more thing that we would want to make sure that you knew About us, and that is this We are not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes. And because we are not ashamed of the gospel, because we do believe that the gospel is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes. Because we believe that, we recognize that Christ is the anchor of our lives. Jesus Christ is the anchor of my life. Jesus Christ is the anchor of my wife's life. We have made the decision to place Jesus Christ as the anchor for our family And because Christ is the anchor for our family, because he is deep down in our hearts, he is deep within our souls, he is placed firmly and securely like an anchor. We have great hope. The writer to the Hebrews said this, we have this hope as an anchor for the soul. It is firm and secure. And I would want you to know that my wife and I, that we have great hope because Jesus Christ is our anchor. In in fact, in Paul's letter to the Romans, later on in chapter 5, he goes on to talk about hope, and he says this, and hope does not disappoint us, because God has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit, whom he has given us. You see, at just the right time, while we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. And I would want you to know that Sarah and I, we will never be disappointed, because we have placed Jesus Christ as the anchor in our life, we will, never de- we will never be disappointed because Christ is the anchor of our family. You see, at just the right time, when Sarah and I were powerless, Christ died for us. And deep down in our hearts, deep down in our souls, Christ is our anchor, and the love of God has been poured into our lives by the Holy Spirit, whom He's given us. Christ is the anchor of our lives. And we are not ashamed to tell you about him because we recognize that he is the power of God for our salvation. And he is the power of God for your salvation as you place your hope and your trust in Jesus Christ. Let's stand together and let's sing about Christ who is our anchor.
1: My hope is built on nothing less Than Jesus' blood and righteousness I dare not trust the sweetest frame But only lean on Jesus' name On Christ the solid rock I stand All of the ground is sinking sand All of the ground is sinking sand When darkness seems to hide its face I rest on His unchanging grace In every high and stormy gale My anchor holds Sin. His oath is covenant, His blood support me in the whelming flood. When all around my soul gives way, Heaven is all my hope and stay. All is sinking sand, all of the ground is sinking sand. When he shall come with trumpet sound, oh, may I then in Dressed in his righteousness alone, fall to stand, before the throne on Christ the Solid Rock I stand all of the ground is sinking sand all other ground. Sand. All ground is sand. If
0: you are here today and you would like to have Christ be the anchor of your heart, of your soul, of your life, we would love to talk to you. And we want to invite you to to come to the altar room. Our pastors and our elders will be there and we'd love to, to walk through with you how you can participate by faith, by placing your trust and your faith in Jesus Christ for salvation. For all the rest of us, there's somebody who needs to hear from you. So get writing. Get writing and put it in the mail. And be used by God to share the good news of Jesus Christ. Because the person that that you got on your heart right now. God's placed them on your heart for a reason. So do it. Father God, Lord, we love you. We're so thankful to be together to worship you. We've worshiped you in a number of ways together today. And we give it all to you as a gift. Bless you, Lord. And we pray this in the name of Jesus Christ and all God's family said, amen. Amen. Blessings.